currents of fame, dating, career ups and downs, curious to see how his life would play out. Sometimes he and I would both appear on those shameful lists of hunks. Can there be a more degrading or frankly gross word than hunk? Hunk of what? Hunk of wood? Hunk of cheese? Yikes. There may have even been a girl or two whom we both coveted, but that was the extent of my contact with him. In the late 90s, my wife Cheryl and I were on a romantic ski vacation in Sun Valley, Idaho. We still felt like newlyweds, in spite of having two beautiful baby boys, from whom we'd escaped for a rare evening out. Sun Valley is one of my favorite spots. It's old school, as the site of North America's first chairlift, glamorous, the home of Hemingway and early Hollywood royalty, and boasts one of the greatest ski mountains in the country. I'd been going there since the mid-1980s, and it always liked the mix of people you might encounter at any given time. One evening at a big holiday party, I felt a tap on the shoulder. It was John Jr. How have you been, man? He asked with a smile. I introduced him to Cheryl. He congratulated us on our recent marriage. After a while, Cheryl went off on her own, leaving the two of us alone in the corner, watching the party move on around us. Even in this more rarefied crowd, you could feel the occasional glare of curious observation. A ski instructor passed by, a movie star, a local ski bunny brushed by John and flipped her hair. How do you do it? He asked, so low against the buzz of the party that I couldn't quite hear. I'm sorry? How do you do it? He repeated. I mean, how did you settle down? You, of all people. I looked at him and he was smiling, almost laughing, as if covering something else, some other emotion I couldn't quite discern. At first, I thought he might be gently poking fun at me. Up until my marriage, my life had been publicly marked by a fair number of romances, some covered with great interest in the papers. But I saw that his question was real, and that he seemed to be grappling with some sort of puzzle he could not solve. I realized he was looking across the room to a willowy blonde. She had fantastic blue eyes, the kind of beauty and magnetism that was usually reserved for film stars. She was standing next to my wife, Cheryl, also a blue-eyed blonde with a beauty and presence that made her seem as if a spotlight and wind machine were constantly trained on her. I put two and two together. Looks like you have a great girl. And that's half the battle right there. She's obviously amazing, and if she's your best friend, marry her. You can do it. Don't let anyone tell you you can't, that you're not ready or not capable. Come on in, man. The water's warm. I'm here to tell you it is. If she's your friend, in addition to all the other stuff, pull the trigger. Don't let her get away. You never know what life will bring. I think he was a little taken aback by the passion of my response. I'm not at all sure what he had expected me to say. But, he asked, so what the hell? John nodded, and we went on to other topics. The next day, we met to ski on the mountain. He snowboarded, ripping down the face fast and free. But the weather was turning, and a whiteout was upon us. In the snow and speed and the wind, we were separated. I looked up over the ridge, and he was gone lost in the clouds. John did marry his blonde, his Carolyn. I was glad for him and thought about sending him a note, but somehow I didn't. Of all my character flaws, and there are a number of them, procrastination is my most distinctive. Instead, I wished him luck, children, and the longevity of love with one of my non-alcoholic beers as I watched the coverage on Entertainment Tonight. As a huge political junkie and unabashed admirer of our country, I was a huge fan of his brainchild, George Magazine. When someone finally stopped asking celebrities appearing on its cover to pose in those George Washington wigs, I thought, okay, 
They're rolling now. The end of the century approached. The 90s were a time of building for me. Building a life that was sober, drained of harmful, wasteful excesses, and manufacturing in its place a family of my own. This was my priority through the decade, and that work continues to pay off today with the love of my sons, Matthew and John Owen, and the constant gift of the love of my wife, Cheryl. Where the 80s had been about building a career, the 90s ended with my having built a life. By the end of the decade, my career was very much in flux, just as it had been at the end of the previous one. I had had some successes in the 90s, always made money, but the truth was I was like a man pushing a boulder up a hill. A huge, heavy, difficult boulder made up of some career mistakes, projects that didn't meet expectations, and 20 years of being a known quantity. And not only not being a new sensation, but something worse.